Well, thank you all for, uh, for being here this morning. We lost an hour of sleep. Has that affected any of you? Raise your hand if that's affected you a little bit. Okay. I, I, had, um, I like that we sang, your love awakens me, because let's be honest, we need that this morning, right? But it's, it's his love and also my two-year-old Jack that awakens me. So we've been up a little bit earlier than we needed to be up. But um, it was really funny. Last week I was, or this week I was, I was meeting with some pastors and, and they were just asking how things were going. And I said, man, we just had an incredible week last, last week. Like it was just a really great week and it seemed alive and it seemed packed. And, and it, it was a guy that's in ministry and he said, well, you know that this week is gonna be like the lowest week of the year, Right. And I was like, hey, come on, man, don't rain on my parade. But, but so I just want to say thanks for, for being here this morning. Um, I'm excited to be with you, even though maybe I was up a little earlier than I wanted to be, and even though we lost an hour of sleep, I'm really thrilled to be with you this morning. And just even as you each walked in, it was just awesome to see you, and, and I'm, I'm glad to have the opportunity um, to speak God's word to you this morning. So we're in our third week of Freedom in Grace, and in this series, we're working through um, the book of First Peter, and I've really enjoyed studying through this um, again, and so, so this series is all about freedom. As, as we lead up to Easter, our celebration of resurrection and freedom, this, this series is all about freedom through grace. It starts with God's grace that gives us freedom from sin and death. And so, so as we studied last week, um, because of God's great mercy, Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected. And through that, we have freedom and God's grace. But we have to choose to live in that freedom. And so the idea that we're working through is that when we understand God's grace for us, when we understand what Jesus did in his death and resurrection, when we understand the freedom that we have, that we then have to choose to be a people of grace and a people of love and a people of freedom. And so I just want to start with a simple idea today, and that's this. Freedom always implies responsibility. Freedom always implies responsibility. Now, we live in America, which is uh, the land of the free, okay, and we believe in freedom, right? And so that doesn't mean that I get to do whatever I want to do. That doesn't mean that, that I can just act in any way I want to. That's not what freedom really is, because the truth is, if I'm acting how I want to, if I want to come over and take what's yours, where's your freedom, and so freedom is not just this, I can do whatever I want, I can go crazy, I can be selfish. Freedom is something that, that we in America believe in, it's something we do together, and so freedom is a choice that we make. One, a popular saying, um, my, freedom ends where another person's nose begins. If you're talking about hitting someone, like I might be free, but man, if I hit somebody, all of a sudden, I've affected your freedom. And, and as we live in America, I think this concept of, of living free is great, but we have to understand that that isn't just freedom for me, that's freedom for all. And so freedom implies responsibility. We have to choose to live in freedom, and that doesn't mean live however you want. That means to choose 
to work towards freedom for all. Only when we learn to live a life of grace will we truly experience God's freedom the way it was intended. So Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, and in that, we have freedom. We talked about the first week. We have living hope. We are invited into this eternal inheritance that can't fade, can't spoil, will never go away. And so we're given that, but as we're given that, there is responsibility, And so last week we talked about that we are being built into something. We as free people, we as people who have been given an eternal inheritance are being built into God's holy temple, that we are a royal priesthood, that we as we come together, we as we're transformed, we as we live in freedom, come together and are being built into God's holy dwelling place. And so, so far, the last two weeks, we've been talking a lot about the believing side of things, okay? We believe that God has given us freedom. We believe that God has given us an inheritance, and we believe that God is transforming us into something, and and that's where Peter has gone so far. But today, we're going to switch from the believing side of things to the behaving side of things. So it's not... Now Peter's going to switch and he's going to say, listen, we believe that, but now this is how it plays out in your everyday life. So the next few weeks, we're going to talk about our behavior towards others. It's not just about believing we're free, but freedom implies responsibility. And so because God's given us this inheritance, this freedom, we now have responsibility to live gracefully and loving towards others. And so last week, we, I, I just love that. I love that idea. I love that message that we come together and we're being built into this holy temple, that we're a royal priesthood. That's an incredible thing, right? But I'm willing to bet that some of you walked out of here last week and you walked back into kind of the real world. You walked into a different kingdom where you didn't feel very free. Would that be accurate to say? Maybe you went back to work and you, you experienced that, hey, I'm free, but I've got some responsibilities here at work. Or maybe you walked out of church. I think it's easy sometimes when we talk about being a royal priesthood in a holy temple when we're sitting in the sanctuary, it's easy to say like, yeah, that's it. But then we walk out of here and all of a sudden it's like we're back into the real world and we're experiencing difficulty and and we're living under different situations that maybe, maybe aren't reflecting God's kingdom. And so I'm just willing to bet that some of us walked out of here last week thinking, yeah, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy temple, and then you got kind of smacked in the face by real world stuff, the other kingdom, a world that has many other powers, that has bosses and, and different things that you have to worry about, a world that we don't seem free in, a world where holiness, where God's kingdom does not seem to be the norm. Am I, are you with me? That's, that's where we live every day. And, and so, lucky for us, Peter has us covered here. We're, we're not on our own here. We don't just talk about these good things in the sanctuary and then walk out and, whoop, 
it's over, Peter gives us some real clear, um, clear advice on how to live as the holy priesthood, how to live as the royal priesthood in the holy kingdom for God when we walk into the other kingdoms. And so I, I just want to point out that the audience that Peter was writing this text to was in a very similar circumstance that we're in. They, they had their God's kingdom and they, were, they had an inheritance that was from God's kingdom, but they lived in a very different kingdom that didn't, didn't live by the same ideals. And so I just want you to know this is not a new phenomenon. You're not alone, but we live in God's kingdom. We have been given a living hope of an eternal inheritance, but we also exist in other kingdoms that have power and have some authority. And so 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 12 says this. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles. So we were just talking about the holy temple, the royal priesthood, and then Peter turns around and says, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So, so I just, I just want to reiterate this, that this is not something new. The writer, Peter, knew that we were going to face other kingdoms. And so after all of this grand talk of you're a royal priesthood, he says, but you live as foreigners and exiles in a different kingdom. And so, so what do we do? As people who have to go to work every day and have bosses, as people who live in a country that is not God's kingdom, as people who live under different powers and authorities, what do we do? How are we the royal priesthood when we're living under other kingdoms as well? Well, verse 11 says, abstain from sinful desires, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So the first thing, abstain from sinful desires, live holy. We talked about that, I believe it was week one of this series, be holy. Don't give in to your selfishness just because you walk around every day under other kingdoms and other things that would tell you that you can be selfish and that you can do whatever you want. That does not mean that we are living in freedom if we give in to our sinful desires. In fact, it says if you are living by your sinful desires, if you are living selfishly, you are at war in your soul. Have you ever felt this before? Have you ever felt this? So I think we're pretty good at understanding that there are physical consequences to our behavior, right? right let me give you an example. Charlie, this last week, was doing something. He was being kind of nasty. And, and so Megan and I actually pulled him aside and said, Charlie, listen, man, if this is the way you act, if this is the way you treat people, nobody's going to want to hang around you. Nobody's going to want to be your friend. And, and so we're good at looking at the the outside or the external consequences of selfishness and sinfulness, right? But what Peter says is, it's bigger than that. 
When you're being selfish, when you're living by sinful desires, it's not just the external you've got to deal with, but your soul is actually at war. I'm going to ask you again, have you felt this before? When you were doing something and you, you knew you shouldn't do it, or, or you just, maybe you've had this happen, I've had this happen so many times, where I'm, I'm walking into a situation and I'm saying, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, whoops, whoops. And, and it's like you're at war with yourself. Sinful desires do not just have external consequences, they have internal And so as you live as a holy priesthood, as you live as a holy temple of God, the first thing is to be holy, to abstain from sinful desires. And so true freedom comes as we are set free from our own selfish desires. I want you to understand something this morning. Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected, and that's great news But if you are living under the control of your selfish, sinful desires, you're missing that freedom. True freedom comes when we are set free from our own sinful and selfish desires. So number one, get rid of the selfishness. Get rid of sinful desires in your life. That's the number one way that we live as a royal priesthood in another kingdom. Get rid of it. You're not only hurting others, but, but you're hurting yourself. Peter goes on, and he, ta- he takes it further. I like this. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, this is really good stuff, and I think we need to spend some time here because if I'm being really honest, we're, I'm preaching to myself here as much as I'm preaching to any of you. In the, in the way that others treat you, live such good lives among people that don't believe the same thing. Live such good lives among, it says, pagans, or that would be people that aren't followers of Christ. It says, live such good lives among them that even though they accuse you, they try to hurt you, they're after you, even though they accuse you of things, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, I'm just willing to bet once again that all of you have experienced somebody at some point in your life that was trying to harm you. Whether it was just words, whether they physically did something, I'm willing to bet that all of us have experienced that, right? We've all had somebody that's come against us, that said, and, and let's be honest, what's our first reaction when that happens? My first reaction is, put up the dukes. Let's go. I can do this. I'll be honest with you. This probably isn't a good trait for a pastor, but I love to argue. Like, you can ask my wife. Like, I love to argue with people. In fact, like, yeah, Ricky and I argue every week about what's good food and what's not good food. I love to argue. And so I'll be honest with you and tell you that my first reaction when somebody comes against me or when I sense a threat, my first reaction is, Let's go. I could take you. But it says here, live such good lives among the people that are trying to harm you that they will see your good deeds and that they will glorify God on the day he visits us. Our typical response is either put up your dukes or the other response that we have, maybe if we're really good, maybe if you're better than me, maybe your response is this, hey, I forgive them. (laughs) 
and I'm just gonna keep my distance and I'm gonna let them be because they're evil and I'm good and I forgive you, there you go. That's not what Peter's saying here. Peter's saying live such good lives that people that are trying to hurt you see Jesus. That people that are trying to hurt you experience God's grace and glorify God. This is incredible stuff. This goes beyond self-righteousness. This goes beyond getting even. This goes to the point of loving and forgiving and, and wanting restoration in other people's lives even when they're after you. You know what this makes me think of? This makes me think of Jesus as he's being tortured on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. I don't think that was a token word that Jesus was saying. I don't think that was some light thing. I think Jesus wanted forgiveness for those people that were coming after him. And so what Peter's calling us to here is not just a just self-righteousness where you step back and say, go ahead and do your evil. I'm over here. What he's calling us to, what Jesus calls us to, is to live such good lives to be holy so that others will glorify God. This is a cool quote. Um, I'm gonna assume that maybe it'll be used on social media because I never say anything worth saying, so the quotes I say of other people get quoted on there, but this is a good quote that I saw this week. I really love this. It said this, the best argument for Christianity is a real Christian. The strongest missionary force in the world is a Christian life. Think about that. That's from Barclay. Think about that. The best example, the best missionary thing that you can do is to be a real follower of Christ and to reflect Christ in everything you do. Not learn perfect apologetics, not be a great speaker, not, not be a great arguer. That's not what this is about. The best witness that we have is real Christ-like living. And so Peter says... When people come against you, be holy. Act so holy. Be so good that they see Christ and they're actually come to the point that they're glorifying God in the day that he comes. The ultimate goal, even in persecution, even when others are hating you, even when people are coming at you with their fists, even when people are coming at you with harsh words, the ultimate goal for us is not to, to get away from it. The ultimate goal as followers of Christ is restoration and redemption. And so we are called to be a holy priesthood. And that's not just in the sanctuary. That's not just when things are going well. That's even in the face of difficulty and hatred. We are to be a holy priesthood. This isn't about us. This isn't about focusing on me. But this is about offering spiritual sacrifices to God. If you remember last week, it says that you would be a holy temple, you would be a royal priesthood that would offer spiritual sacrifices to God. So when, that, what's more of a spiritual sacrifice than when somebody punches you in the face to live holy and to sacrifice your desire to punch back and to trust God and to glorify God with your lifestyle? The ultimate goal even in persecution and hatred, is redemption. This is all about submission. Now, I want to talk about this because I think a lot of us think of submission as, as defeat and we think of submission as a lack of freedom. 
But I want you to know that if you can't step back from fighting back with people, if you can't take a step back and be holy, you're not free. I'll never forget, I had a teen in South Carolina. I think I've told you, I've, I'm going to retell a lot of stories, I'm sorry. But I had a teen in South Carolina, and he said to me one day, he kept getting expelled from school for fighting. And I said, man, what's happening? What, why do you keep getting yourself in trouble? And he said, that guy talked about my mama. I had to punch him. I mean, if you talk about my mama, I got to punch you. He's not free. Do you see how that lacks freedom? Because if somebody's mean to him, he has to go back at him. He has to get, get the upper hand. He has to defend it. He's not living free. Freedom is trusting God even in the face of difficult things. And so what do we need to do? We need to let God handle it. And so it's all about submitting. It's all about submitting to God's will. It's all about being holy in our actions, being a royal priesthood, even when others are harmful to us. Well, the next um, three sections talk about submitting. And so I'm just going to look at one of them. Verse 13 through 17 talks about submitting to authorities. And then 18 to 20 talks about slaves submitting to masters. And then in chapter 3, it talks about submitting in the marital relationship to your spouse. But I really want to look at verse 13 to 17. You can read the others at home. It's good stuff. It's good practical advice for you. But I want to focus on 13 to 17. So here we go. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Now this is a great verse. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And so we have this section of scripture that's, let's just be honest, this is kind of a difficult section, right? Because it says, submit to the earthly authorities. Submit to the rulers. Submit to the emperors. But then down in verse 16 it says, live as free people. So I want to talk about how it works to submit to others and live as a free person. So the first thing it says is, for the Lord's sake. Listen, if we're going to be a holy priesthood, if we're going to be God's holy temple, then for the Lord's sake, we need to submit to others. We need to represent God in everything we do. And so, so he says right here, submit for the Lord's sake, not for your own, not for that emperor's sake, not for our country. Submit for God's, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Then it goes on and says, whether it's the emperor as a supreme authority. Now, I, we've got to point something out here. This is really cool. So it's, the, the actual wording here um, in the NIV is this, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority. Now, at first, that sounds kind of bad. That sounds like, okay, wait, I'm in God's kingdom, but now this emperor or this president, we don't have a lot of emperors these days, the president would be this supreme authority. But I want you to hear something. The word used there for supreme is, I'm going to get it wrong, hooper echo. And that word actually is the same word that's used in Philippians when it says, let me find it, when it says, think of others more highly than yourselves. 
So when it says submit to the emperor, to the supreme authority, really what that's saying is submit to the emperor, submit to the president, submit to your leadership, and think of them as more highly than yourselves. This doesn't mean that all of a sudden God is not our king and somebody else is and Donald Trump is. That's not what this is saying. But this is saying submit to others, submit to authority the same way that you're supposed to submit to everybody else. Do you hear that? Think of others more highly than yourself. This is about putting others above ourselves. And so I think one of our tendencies is to think, hey, I'm in God's kingdom. Forget about that other authority in, in my life. Forget about my boss. They can't tell me what to do. Forget about the president. He doesn't reflect what I want him to reflect. Maybe he does for you. I don't know. But submit to the authorities for the Lord's sake, not because they are your king. Jesus is your king. But in the same way we are supposed to submit to every person we see. When I walk up to you in the hallway, when I see you every day, I should think of you more highly than I think of myself. That's what scripture says. And so in the same way, we need to, we need to honor the people that are put into leadership. And so think of others more highly than yourselves. Uh, and so are you getting the point that this is about humility? This is about us not being in control. This is about submitting to God's will and through God's will, submitting to others. We are to respect those that are in positions of leadership the same way we are to respect those that we meet on a day-to-day -day basis. We are to value them above ourselves. This is about humility. Now, I understand that this can be troublesome because sometimes authority can be contrary to God's will, right? Sometimes authorities in your life can tell you to do things that you know God wouldn't approve of you doing. I think we need to read this in the larger scope of Scripture. And so it, we have to read this in context because this assumes that the authorities that you're submitting to are not doing things that are contrary to God. And so listen to this, in Acts 5, when the, when the disciples were ordered not to preach in the name of Christ, Peter, the person that wrote this, said this, we ought to obey God rather than men. So if you read that by itself, it would seem like the scripture saying whatever your authorities in your life tell you to do, you have to do it. No, God, Jesus is our king. And because Jesus is our king, we submit to others. We love others. We treat others as better than ourselves. So God first, others second, us last. This is about humility. Submit to those in authority. Why? Because it's God's will. And we are a royal priesthood. Verse 16 seems like a contradiction. Live as people who are free. But here's the thing. When you submit to the authorities, when you submit to others, let's just take the authorities out of it and let's just say you and me. When I think of you as more highly than myself, when I submit to you, that's not because you are my master. That's not because I'm under your authority. It's because God is my king and my master. And so when I submit, I do it because it's God's will. We choose 
to serve. As a royal priesthood, we choose to live a life of service and grace and love for others. When we put others first, I want you to understand this, when you put others first, you are actually worshiping God. Isn't that a cool concept? You're not worshiping somebody else when you put them first. You're worshiping God because that's what your true king told you to do. And so we're submitting, but we're worshiping God. As followers of Christ, we are called to submit to others. Verse 17 says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. As followers of Christ, this is the tangible expression of our faith. Show proper respect to everyone. Love and respect everyone. Everyone. Love the family of believers. Listen, if we can't love each other, it's going to be hard to love others. Fear God. God is the supreme leader in our life. God is who we submit to and honor the emperor. And so I want to move into the last part. I'm going to skip to verse 21. And, and this part is really great. This, this gives us some real power and encouragement as God calls us to submit to others. Verse 21 says this. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. So let's just stop there. When, when we talked earlier about when somebody's trying to hurt you and, and you submit and, and you say, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that you need to let people hurt you all the time. I'm not saying you need to walk into punches. But what I'm saying is when people are trying to hurt you, you should be holy and you should live in such a way that they see Christ. And it says right here, Jesus Christ left the example for you. He committed no sin. He was holy in his lifestyle. No deceit was found in his mouth. And then look in verse 23. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. We are called to loving submission to God, which leads us to submission to others. And here's the good news. God is not calling us to anything that Jesus didn't already model for us with his life. The good news is it can be done and it will be done if we allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to live through us. And so we are called to be a holy priesthood even when people are throwing rocks at us. This is good stuff. I know you're asleep because you, you lost an hour, but it's good stuff. We're a holy priesthood and they can't take that. We're free. We're free. Jesus set the example. So three things real quick. Number one, he committed no sin. We are called to be right no matter what happens around us. Don't hear that. That kind of sounds wrong. It's not we're called to be right like we want an argument, but we are called to be righteous and holy no matter what happens around us. Our calling is to be holy regardless of what others do. I'll never forget some of the best advice my dad ever gave me. 
was when, when some people were being difficult. And I, I wanted to put up my dukes, because that's what I do. He said, it doesn't matter what others do. We're going to do what's right. God's calling for us as a holy priesthood is to be holy and righteous no matter what's going on around us. So we are called to be holy. Number two, when they hurled insults at him, he made no threats. And this is the part I love. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Listen to that again. Instead, he entrusted himself. This is what we're called to. We don't have to handle it on our own. We don't have to fight back. We can say, God, I trust you. I put my life in your hands. He entrusted himself. Trust God with your difficulties. Our freedom is not based on us winning every argument. Our freedom is not based on people treating us well or giving us power. Our freedom is based in the fact that God has won victory over sin and death and nobody can take your eternal inheritance. Nobody can take your living hope. And so we live free and trust God with our difficulties. And then this is a great part, the third part. He bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. We are healed by Jesus' submission to the Father. Do you see how this works? Jesus gave everything. When they, when they hurled insults, when they stabbed him, when they put a crown of thorns on his head, he didn't fight back, but he entrusted himself to the Father. And through that, we have freedom. And so today, our freedom is because Jesus modeled grace and love and sacrifice for us. In the same way, we are called to, to live in submission and sacrifice for others. So literally, when somebody's throwing rocks at you, you can say, God, let them see Jesus in me so that they can have freedom, so that they don't have to live in brokenness and pain. As a royal priesthood, we are called to sacrifice our selfishness for the glory of God and the restoration of others. So I know some of you are, this, this message is kind of heavy and it's, it's, hey, you've got to submit and, and you, listen, if people are trying to hurt you, just trust God and I know that's hard, but there's good news. Because as we read about Jesus submitting to others, as we read about Jesus being tortured, as we read about Jesus laying his life down so that we could have freedom, and we're called to follow that example and lay our lives down to glorify God, there's good news. And that's this. We don't live in defeat when others try to hurt us. We live in the victory of Jesus and so as we work towards Easter, this is good news. Even when you submit, even when you lay your life down, even when people are throwing rocks and you say, I'm going to be holy, even when you don't get to fight back, we have victory in Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. The band's going to come up, and we're going to end this on an exciting note. Because the truth of the matter is, when we are called to lay down and to submit our lives, when we are called to take the insults and not fight back, it's not that we're defeated and that we lose. It's that we have freedom. Because Jesus gave his life, but after he gave his life, guess what happened? He was resurrected. 
And so this morning, I want us to understand that we are called to be a holy priesthood. We are called to be holy even when others are coming against us, even when the world around us seems like it hates us, even when people are trying to hurt you. You are called to be holy. And the best news of all of this, if you will entrust your difficulties, your life to God, you will have victory. So we're going to sing about that victory. Now, I love this song. This talks about the victory that Jesus gives us. And so I want you to celebrate this, and I want you to think about how tomorrow this victory can allow you to be free and not, not worry about getting back at others. This will allow you to be holy even in the face of difficulty. This victory, Father, help us to understand and experience your freedom and your victory today. Father, we, we give ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to you. And Lord, the good news is we know today that Easter's coming. We knew when you laid down your life that resurrection was coming. And so, Father, we celebrate that today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.